What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for this very special Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. You guys should also be checking out Ethos Fantasy BB. We have a ton of new content over there. Our draft guide has been released, at least in part. Uh, we're going to continue to roll out new articles throughout the rest of this week and into next week as well. Very exciting stuff. Go check out Ethos Fantasy BB and SportsEthos.com where you can get all of that at the source. Now, today we are doing another team preview. We are joined by a very special guest who I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. It's long overdue, but he is here with us today. You can find his work at Pitcher List and at Baseball Prospectus. And he's also on one of the best new fantasy baseball podcasts that you can find out there. That is the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Beat, courtesy of Triple Play Fantasy. Carlos Marcano, you can find him on Twitter at C.A. Marcano. Carlos, how are you doing today, man? Awesome, man. I'm I'm really, really happy to be here with you. And and uh, I mean, it, it's as we were talking before, it, it's kind of bittersweet to talk about the A's, but uh, I, I we have to do what we have to do, man. And we, we might find some golden nuggets in there. Who knows? We just might. Uh, before we get started, uh, how did you become an Oakland A's fan? How was that? How did that start for you? <laughs> yeah, that's that's I, I think it's because of Ricky Henderson, to be honest. Uh, um, growing up in Venezuela back there in the 80s, um, I was this little uh, crazy about baseball boy that got to see the, the Ricky Henderson playing with them. And it was just, I, I don't know, amazing. It, it was something that I... I, I could not imagine that that a, that a player could be so electric and, and so good. Also, it was more or less the time when when McGuire and 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 Ken Seiko started hitting homers left and right for for them. They won uh, uh, the '89 World Series. Although I suffered the '88 when they lost to the Dodgers. So so it was basically like the golden era of of Oakland back in the days. Little could I know that it was going to be the golden era for a while, only that period for a while on, until who knows when. But but uh, they got me and I'm trapped. I, I'm trapped with them. They had some good years in the early 2000s. Obviously, uh, the Moneyball team and some years yeah. around there. They were they were competitive, but they haven't quite um, been back to where they were in the 1980s yet. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I, I've got I've got to a point that I I hate Moneyball and Billy Bean. <laughs> yeah. How come you hate point. you hate? Because Billy Bean, he's just playing the you know the game of the owner right now. It's they don't want to invest, so I, it that kind of diverged from 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 what what they were doing. And um, but I mean, I cannot change that for the moment. So it's it it's got to be frustrating looking at the roster. Mm-hmm. I completely understand. Um, they they don't spend money. They've traded away a lot of key pieces over the last couple of seasons. Sean Murphy's gone. Frankie Montes is gone, Sean Manaya, Matt Chapman. Uh, we could go on, but I don't want to get you too, too upset before we start going on the podcast here. Uh, I mentioned it off the top, uh, your work with Pitcherless, Baseball Prospectus, and Triple Play Fantasy, but anything you want to let the people know you got working on or any podcast you got coming up soon that you want to let people know about? Yeah, well, we just uh, we just got uh, the beat writer for the Brewers uh, for the pod, the, the Fantasy Baseball beat, and it was a really, really great target. It, it just become available today and we're planning to have a lot more 
beat writers before the the start of the season and during the season. So that that's going to be something that I I think might interest some some of of you know all fantasy baseball uh, crazy heads that are all, all around. And um, I'm I will continue having my weekly uh, columns in in with baseball perspective, and I'm preparing something for for pictures. So I'm trying to be busy. I wish the days had 36 hours, but I, I, I'm doing my my deeds. You're putting out a ton of content. You're doing great work as always. You guys should check out the Triple Play Fantasy Beat. It is one of the best podcasts nominated for the FSWA Baseball Podcast of the Year. Very deserving. We're rooting for you guys as the underdog there with all the other, uh, the big, yeah. the big dog podcast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, definitely gonna be rooting for triple play there. Thank but let's you. get started. Let's start talking about the Oakland Athletics. I did joke with you before that this might be a five or six minute podcast if we talk about just the fantasy relevant <laughs> names. But there are some guys that are actually a little bit interesting, specifically in the lineup. And if we start right at the top, Tony Kemp is projected to be the leadoff hitter. I think that that makes sense considering his speed. Uh, you know, he walks at a decent clip. Um, what are your thoughts on Tony Kemp for this upcoming season where he's being drafted overall? Uh, what are your thoughts on him? Um, to be honest, I, my my thinking about this situation with the leadoff hitter in, in Oakland is that they should go all in with the steering risk from, from the get-go. I, I, I mean, um, they don't have anything to lose <laughs> putting risk at, at the at the beginning, at the leading off for them and and Tony Kemp could easily be the, the ninth batter and no one will miss him you know it it's it, it, i guess they're real, still a worried about the young guy not having enough uh experience and but I, but i think it he's already 24 he he has proven in in the minors that he can do his thing and and uh, Tony Kemp is just the lid of hitter that you get when you don't have any other resources to to get a, a true a true guide there uh he missed a lot of a lot of opportunities to get on base last year it's just a, he was only a 300 on base percentage guys that's not enough to be a little feeder in the majors these days um i his some some projections has have seen for uh, uh plus w wrc Plus of a hundred five, a hundred six. That's just barely above average. So um, I don't think he's interesting for, and only for really, really deep formats, right? Uh, but um, other than that, I, I I don't think he's he's he has fantasy relevance. I agree with you. I think Ruiz should be the leadoff hitter. Now with Kemp, he had had better on base percentages in the couple of years prior. So maybe there's hope that he can, you know, get that up a little bit. The walk rate was over 10% uh, in previous years. Last season, it dropped a little bit, but maybe he can get that back up. But I, I would agree with you there that he is not really somebody that you should be targeting outside of your very deep leagues. If you're doing yeah. a draft champions league, maybe then, you, you know, he gets some at bats there. I mean, you're getting at bats from him. So that would make him somewhat valuable. Uh, in those deeper formats, but I agree. If you're playing in a 12-team league, if you're any kind of shallow formats, I don't think he is really going to move the needle so much. Yeah. But, I mean, to bounce around the lineup here a little bit, like you said, Estri Ruiz, that speed is legitimate. He could be a 30-plus steel guy. It'll help if he's at the top of the lineup. Are you drafting him where he's going? He's currently outside of the top 200 pick still, uh, but he could be somebody who who has a lot of relevance. Are you are you in on him this season, regardless of where he's batting in the lineup, or would he have to be in the leadoff spot for you to want to take a chance? 
Yeah, I, I'm not actively targeting, but if he falls uh, for me in that uh, that ADP, I'll, I'll get him. Um, and it goes back to Tony Kemp. It, it will probably not. Uh, probably there won't be too much time before a risk claims that little spot. That's uh, I don't know if it's going to be right in this season. Should be. But but maybe they get some sense there in uh, uh, the front office or, or the manager and they bump uh, Reese at the at the lead off spot. Uh, so for draft and holds, uh, I, I I can take him for a while. I I'm sure that maybe some people is going to drop in in waiver and fab leagues when he doesn't get the all, all the opportunities at the beginning and stuff and maybe you can get him on the waiver wire uh, later on that could be a possibility but if he falls to me at that at that range I'll I'll get him yeah he's kind of and I've mentioned this with a few players over the off season once you're in this range we focus a lot on deeper leagues right now a lot of people are doing draft champions where it's 50 rounds but yeah. if you're in a 12-team league, uh, you probably are drafting about 270 or so players. You could take Ruiz with your last draft pick, one of your last two draft picks. If he doesn't turn out, you can drop him. But the speed we saw last year, you, you almost yeah. take a, a double take when you see the speed that he had. So in the minor leagues, across AAA, he was only in AAA for 65 games, and he stole 48 bases. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it was 49 AA games last year, 37 bases. He, he has incredible speed good on-base capabilities that he showed in the lower levels of the minors. Walk rate, almost as high as a strikeout rate, about 14 to 17 there. Uh, it looks very promising if he is able to put it together at the big league level. And I think he could potentially uh, be a bit of a breakout candidate. I don't know how great the counting stats are going to be necessarily, but if he stole 30 but 30-plus uh, bases, I would not be at all surprised uh, in that. Now, going back to the top of the lineup, somebody that I'm kind of surprised a little bit is still on the team, <clears throat> Ramon Laureano. I expected him to be traded a, a while back, middle of last season, even prior to last season. I wasn't, you know, I, I would not have been shocked at all if he was traded a year ago, but he is still here, uh, probably as somebody who could be dealt throughout the season, just basing it on how they have dealt with the rest of their quote yeah. unquote like star players. Um, not that he's necessarily a star, but he might be the best player left on the or he's close anyway to being one of the best players left on this team uh what yeah, are your thoughts um, on Ramon Laureano and his draft price which is about 215 right now I actually like him at the at the, at the, the uh, point in the draft um there's one thing with outfield uh for this season and it's proven to be a little shallow uh and and uh, you at some point you will start you would start losing uh, options actually at that range most of the options are even Laureano, Brown, which we will talk about uh, a little bit later. And then you go all the way down to Benintendi or and even Stereo Ruiz. They, they are like clustered together around the 215, 225. So the, the possible value drops a lot for when you get to that, to that point in, in the trap. Thinking of that, Laureano could potentially bring 20 homers. It, it's, it would not be crazy that, that he gets those. Actually, I think uh, the bad X has, in, has him for 19 and others, even ATC to 19. So, so the, that, that's a nice figure, you know, especially at that point of the, of the draft. And the real value there is that he could 
provide 15 stolen bases. And if he is healthy most of the season, you could have a 2020 guy. There are just about 10, 11 guys on all baseball projected to be 2020 for for this season. So th- that could be something really valuable there. Uh, and the problem is that the average is really low at around 230 to 35. So that you have to be worried a little bit about it. But in terms of the rest of the stuff, I mean, of course, of course, the counting stats are going to be a little lame. You, you, the probably will, will you'll expect expect 140 between runs and, and RBIs together. So you, you should not be too too crazy up thinking about you will get too many counting stats from that um, lineup. But just for the 2020 upside there, I think it would be good to target Laureano. I like him. I like him a lot, actually. And if he does get traded, you'd have to figure maybe he'd bat in a worse position in whatever lineup he goes to. He might not bat second. But we'd see the potential for those counting stats to go up. And, you know, Steamer hasn't been. There's problems with Steamer's projections. I'm not the biggest fan. Sometimes they tend to overvalue certain players. But they have him for 21 homers and 20 stolen bases and a 232 batting average and exactly 140 runs in RBIs. And if he does get traded, maybe we can push that 140 to closer to maybe the 160 range. And where he's going uh, at, after pick 200, like you said, outfield, especially five outfielder leagues, which is a lot of most of the NFBC leagues, Yeah, uh, it's it's tricky, and they start going very quickly. Loriano could be somebody who who jumps quite a bit ahead of that um, in terms of how he's going to finish the season, in terms of a player raider, I could see him definitely finishing inside of the top 200. And it wouldn't be much of a stretch at all for me. Uh, he is one of my top 50 outfielders. I think I have him at 48, 47. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, there's potential for him to go even higher than that. So I do like him a lot. And I like the guy who's batting right below him in the lineup as well, Seth Brown. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people talking. There's been some tweets hyping him up a little bit this offseason, saying that he's undervalued. Uh, that he's going a little bit too late in drafts. He is the highest player uh, based on NFBC ADP right now in this lineup. I'm just looking at drafts that have taken place uh, since January the 1st. He's going mm-hmm. at 209, and he is the highest Oakland A by ADP. But I like him. Uh, you know, even at that price, it's, it's – I mean, it's, so he's the most expensive A, but he's not expensive at all, really, uh, in the yeah. same kind of range as the other two outfielders that we mentioned in Loriano and Ruiz. What are your thoughts on Seth Brown for the 2023 season? So – uh, Seth Brown is actually the guy that I'm targeting from. Uh, well, it's like it's the second. There's another guy that we will talk about him later on that I'm actively targeting from Oakland. And uh, especially for really deep formats like Auto New, which which you can get him really cheap at, at the end of the auction. Um, $2, $1, $3 max. So, it, and, and it's because... Brown has the potential to be a 30 home rooms guys easily. He he has a lot of power. He has issues with the contact. He he has um 20 where he he's around 26, yeah, 26.3 um strikeout rate last season, and he's been moving around that number his whole career. We all know that, but he isn't bad at taking walks. So so he's Kind of these guys that, that are not just uh, swing and miss. He, he's going like a three throughout uh, three like a true three outcome guy, you know. And and um, 
he's batting at the best position uh, in, in a lineup. He will get the the play in time. He has the power. He's gonna make the most out of his of his opportunities, and he's really really cheap. He 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 could provide a lot of value at the outfield at a really modest price. So so if there's one guy that that I recommend to be targeting from that lineup, yeah, definitely Seth Brown. He had 25 homers and 11 steals last season. He's projected for all the projection systems have him for at least 20 homers and at least seven stolen bases. And at that point in the draft, you know, uh, it's not going to be crazy production in terms of batting average or the runs yeah. in RBIs. But, you know, if he did drive in 75 runs, I, I wouldn't be shocked by it if he scored in the 60, 65 range. There's a lot of value. And, you know, uh, even though this team is not, you know, they're not going to be making deep playoff runs. If you're talking just about fantasy, there are guys, you know, they're all fairly reasonably priced here. The guys we've mentioned so far at the top of the lineup, they're not exactly. going to necessarily win you your league, but to provide you solid depth, either at the end of your shallower drafts or in the middle of your deeper ones, Brown, Ruiz, Loriano, uh, you know, maybe not so much Tony Kemp, but those three outfielders that we talked about, uh, there could be a lot of value there. The guy that is going after, well, not necessarily, um, I'm not talking about draft price, but in terms of the lineup is Jesus Aguilar. And he's kind of interesting to me as well. We know that there is a lot of home run potential with him and he is very cheap in drafts. He's going after pick 500 in a lot of drafts. What are your thoughts on Aguilar? Can we see kind of a bounce back from him this season? I have to be completely honest. I will, I would stay away of Jesus Aguilar as much yeah. as possible. I'm, I'm actually thinking he will not finish the year, uh, and and the restaurant he will be DFA'd at, at some point. Oh wow! Okay. The, the thing with with Aguilar is that moving into this huge park like like the Coliseum, and it's not like he was in course before or in Cincinnati, right? But but. Uh, the Coliseum is gonna suck away what's valuable from here from here him, which is his eventual power. And and uh, I I I think that he's going to regress really badly there. I I don't think Aguilar putting up a, a one of the old seasons where he could be the guy that clean up for clean up and and it would be useful um he, he's getting the chance because Auckland is cheap and and they wanted someone for cheap too and uh, well I hope the guy proves me wrong to be honest he's a fellow Venezuelan he's a nice guy a great a great person and I if if he can take a revival there in in Auckland um, I, I would be happy but I'm not putting my money on it I, I i think i think there's a guy in 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 the roster that will take his place and, and before the the all-star break. wow i mean the projections tend to agree with you they don't have him playing more than about 110 games that's the highest projection uh and they don't really see the power coming back either the highest projection for homers is take a guess steamer they have him for 17 there um yeah. 237 batting average but Going to that huge outfield in Oakland is probably not going to do so much good for him. I think the best case scenario is probably about 20 home runs. And that would be if everything goes according to plan and yeah. let's stay on the team. But, you know, Dakota so has, has him for 13 homers. So, wow. Yeah. And that, that the 50th percentile. So uh, I, I'm really not very, very hopeful for, from him. 
I think the early drafters are kind of a little bit confused. And I'm looking at the last 70 drafts. Uh, this is from January 1st. His minimum pick is 358 and the maximum pick is 721. So there's mm-hmm. quite a big range on Aguilar. People don't really know what to think, but you know, the more I, the more you talk here, the more I push him down the board, uh, you know, just thinking about that ballpark, the balls that will die in left field there for him. It's probably not so rosy. They might give that opportunity to somebody a little bit younger throughout the season as well. So probably staying away for sure in your shallower leagues. There's no need to draft him, maybe in a draft champions. But yeah, overall, uh, mm. Carlos is staying away from Jesus Aguilar. And I think I am going to be uh, as well here. Jace Peterson projected to bat fifth in this lineup. I'm not so interested, really. Do you have any interest in Jace Peterson for the season? No, not, not really. I mean, there are a lot of guys that... Uh could be uh, more valuable than than Jay's. Uh, he he has the flexibility that he can play anywhere and and he he will bounce around and and he'll get a lot of at bats because of that flexibility, right? Uh, and um, he can play second, third, even some shortstop. I, I mean, he will be like this super utility that they will use everywhere. Uh, but he can't bat for average. He has little power. Um, he being in Oakland already, it's a problem to get counting stats, and he's already he will be fifth. That might be a good thing, but not in this lineup. So uh, I'm not seeing the the. He, this is the kind of player that might be good in real life, real baseball, because he, he will f- help fill a lot of holes in, in that lining up. But for us in fantasy, the, there's really no not a lot of value. Uh, maybe the stolen bases, if you're desperate at that point and you you didn't get your your stolen bases uh, fixed by the time you got you get to where he is, well, he'll give you double digits there, but in, in the low 10. So, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think like a couple of guys we mentioned, uh, draft champions, if you're trying to just get some at-bats maybe later on, he's not going until close to pick five, uh, 467 is where he's going in these recent drafts. He is more just somebody to kind of fill out um, your playing time on your bench, um, but mm-hmm. nobody that you should really be too interested in in your shallower leagues. The next guy up is is interesting to me, and I don't really know exactly if, if anybody knows what he could be yet, and that's Shea Langoliers, uh, the young catcher. I believe he came back over in the Sean Murphy trade, um, yeah. or was it was it a different trade? Uh he came from. Oh my God! It was last year. I think it was Atlanta, wasn't it? I think he came from Atlanta. Um, but no, I actually, Dodgers, right? Wasn't he? Was oh, it? My God. I can't remember now, honestly. Um, no, first, no, no. You mean Atlanta? Atlanta? Yeah, you're right. You came was from Atlanta. Atlanta? Yeah, it was yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. But was he, or maybe he was traded before um, the Sean Murphy deal, and it yep. was a different trade. Was it? Um, oh, yeah, it was Matt Olson trade. It was the Matt Olson trade when he came over. Um, right. He's shown he's shown some promise, and I think that there could be some potential t- that he could have value in a two catcher league. Um, what exactly. are your thoughts on Shea Langoliers for this year, and and even going forward, his potential in this lineup? So yeah, I totally agree with you. The the value with, with him is mostly in two catchers leagues where you can he he'll play a lot. He'll play a lot because uh Oakland do, doesn't have too many options there, right? Uh he he's a guy that with uh he was highly regarded in in 
as a prospect he's he's still a prospect actually he he is uh even though he's 25 already he has he doesn't have the all that uh, major league experience yet so so and his backup is Manny Pina so Manny Pina won't take away uh too many just for rest and thing and things like that so he will have the opportunity to to get the the experience and the volume up there and as a second catcher he he may help you get the volume that you need um he strikes out a lot that's what he's sh shown so far so don't expect him to have a high average but most projections have him for more than 15 homers um he he actually have 20 homer seasons uh, twice in in the major well 22 and, and 19 in the minor sorry so he has he has power and he didn't and he showed some some play discipline in terms of getting walks not in terms of because he is a happy a happy trigger he he likes to swing at, at at everything so if you need some pop and and uh, you need to fill that second catcher in your league i think he's viable yeah, I do too. And, you know, he hit for a fairly low batting average at the major league level, uh, 218 over 40 games. But if you look at what he did in AAA, <clears throat> 92 games in 2022, he hit 283. Uh, if you look back at AA in 2021, he hit 258. So I don't know that he's necessarily going to be <clears throat> that low uh, in mm -hmm. terms of like what he did in the majors is 218. But could he be like a 240, 250 guy potentially? Uh, it could be there with, you know, this season, probably 15 home runs. He might throw in a couple of steals because we saw him steal a little bit of the minors. Yeah, uh, I think there is value there as a second catcher, not somebody I'd want in a one catcher league or as my first catcher. But, uh, you know, I like him and I like where he's going here closer to pick 300. I think the value is pretty solid for him. Oh, totally. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, beyond him, uh, there's a new addition here. J.J. Bladé, you know, he was traded for uh, A.J. Puck a couple days ago. What are your thoughts on Bladé? I liked him in college. I kind of liked him in the minors, but there are some problems with his game as well. Would you have any interest for fantasy this season in, in J.J. Bladé? I think he's a, uh, of course, he's a dynasty target. He Everyone playing dynasty should should happen. He he showed a lot of a lot of potential since college, as you as, as you say. He's still raw. He, he is not he's not polished at all. Uh, and and uh, um. The good thing is that he will ha probably have the major league at bats that he needs to polish, and 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 to get polished, and and that's gonna be good for his development and 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 good for him. But uh, in terms of of fantasy or, or in redraft leagues, um, I don't see any value for the 2023, 20, and he should be targeted as i say in in dynasty if, if you are in a startup dynasty league get him he, he will be a great player some day around mid 2024 2025 yeah i liked watching him throughout the college world series a couple of years ago uh, i seeing him in the minors you know he's he's got a lot of potential now being in oakland will probably not help his power out uh, yeah. What's interesting to me is the projections really dis projections are usually fairly close when you look at different players. You know, some might say for a random player, 130 games versus 135, 20 homers versus 22 homers. They're usually relatively close, but the main ones that I use, which are the bat, ATC, and zips, they are very different. Zips has them for 131 games and 17 homers. 
Uh, the hmm. bat has him for 51 games and six homers. ATC, um, no, sorry, it's not ATC. It's the Zips uh, depth chart projections have him for 107 games. So it's they're all the different projections are very different for him from six home runs to 17 home runs, uh, from 20 runs scored till 58. There's not a lot of consensus there, even in terms of no. the smart minds who who make the projections. Uh, but I would tend to agree. Dynasty, I'd be buying him. I really like the plate skills, even though he strikes out a little bit too much. The walk rates have always been very good. There's a little bit of speed there. And, you know, maybe you give it a couple of years, Oakland starts to properly rebuild. And Dynasty, he could be a, a great target. So I don't think he's really anybody to pay attention to for this season. He's going very late in drafts, past pick 600 mm-hmm. most of the time. Maybe at the end of your draft champions, uh, you take a flyer there because there's potential for playing time. Uh, but it's probably not going to be a great season for him uh, at the dish necessarily. Um, yeah. Give him some time to develop, and I think we could see it, but probably not for this year. Uh, in terms of the last guy we haven't talked about in the lineup, Nick Allen. Any interest in him whatsoever? No, not at all. Nick Allen, is, it's just more or less the same situation as Chase Peterson. Um, he's going, let's, let me double check, at around 600. And at that point, uh, I'm pretty sure you already fixed your your middle infield with someone else. And if you're looking for a bat or something, well, there's and Daniel Buckelback right behind him if you need it, that can provide uh, something else that Allen can. So uh, I would pass. I would too. There's no interest for me there. Uh, in terms of the bench players, Maybe a little bit of interest. Um, you know, Britton Allen, our friend Britton Allen, was talking on Twitter the other day about Ryan Noda, about how he's a very good target later in your draft champions. Aledmus Diaz, maybe there's some potential there. Christian Pache, any interest in any of these bench names? Oh, yeah, definitely. Ryan Noda. Um, and I think that's the guy that is going to end with Jesus Aguilar's job sometime uh, during the season. Um, he's going to be right from the beginning in camp and he will probably end up breaking camp with, with the team. Um, this is a guy that swings for the fence, swings for the fences, but the guy takes a lot of walks. He, he's just always beyond, uh, I think 15% in, in walk rate. And 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 that's amazing. Even nowadays, that's twice the league average, you know. And for a guy that goes for defenses, that's an extra weapon there because it's not. Yes, he can just swing and and strike out, but pitchers will have to be really, really uh, sharp pitching to him because he can force to take the walk. So he's gonna see a lot of good pitches more than 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 any other um, of this type of, of uh, swing for the fences guy. Uh, he sent out 29 homers once in, in only 113 games. That was back in double A. Then in, in triple A, he batted 25 homers in 135 games. He's a big threat uh, on on the home plate. Um, it's a st- it's up to see if he's gonna get the opportunity and he's gonna see the playing time. But I, I'm little, or uh, let's say more than confident that the, um, he will end up with Jesus Aguilar's job. I hope so. Just looking at these numbers in the minors, they're ridiculous. You know, not even just the power and the plate discipline, but the speed. He stole 20 bases in 2022 in AAA. We saw him steal 14 a couple times in the minors. I forgot, and I didn't even realize, actually, that he was uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays, my team in the farm system. I can't remember 
what we gave him away for, but I kind of wish we didn't just looking at the potential here <laughs> for him. Uh, like, you know, I don't think he's going to be a 2020 player in the bigs necessarily. It's probably not this year, uh, but he could be somebody that comes in for Aguilar. Like you said, later on in your DCs, he's a great guy to target there. Going past pick 550, 567 is the ADP since January 1st. That's a bargain considering what he can do. Uh, shout out to Britain because he put me on to him last week when he tweeted something out. And I think the tweet got quite a bit of traction, actually. Uh, a lot of people are going to be into him. Hopefully not too many people saw that tweet so that they don't start to draft him. <laughs> but uh, definitely somebody to consider. Ryan Noda, N-O-D-A. Uh, put that one on your list in your queue yeah. when you guys start to do your drafts because he's going to be interesting. Um, yeah. In terms of and the lineup, actually, you know, the more you look at it, it's not terrible. It's really not. The top of it is is all right. Kemp, you know, we said it probably shouldn't be a leadoff hitter, but let's say he is, followed by Loriano, followed by Brown, followed by Aguilar slash Noda there. Uh, you got the young guys with Langoliers and Blade. Estuary Ruiz could potentially be very good. There are some interesting names in this lineup. It might not be the 27 Yankees, but it's still got a lot of guys who are who do interest me uh, for fantasy, specifically for this season and beyond. Um, in terms of the starting pitching, though, it does not look very good when you have Paul Blackburn scheduled to be your ace. Uh, in yeah. terms of Blackburn and this staff in general, what are your thoughts on what they are going to do for this season? Ah, it's terrible. Uh, it, it, it's terrible. I, I, I will not sugarcoat it, man. <laughs> I, 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 I don't think we. I don't think we have uh, more than a quite quad three. Quad, how what was the way they say quad A? A rotation, right? Yeah, quite that, that's what that's what we have here, and maybe the you know the question marks around Fujinami and and Waldichuk is what could be relevant in terms of fantasy. You know, uh, um, Fujinami. I mean, this is a guy we, we barely. Well, we we know the the his. Um, statistics in japan but it's also true that when players from japan start uh, their talent don't don't specifically translate the uh, the first year or even the first couple of years when they arrive only you know this uh, generational talents like uh, ichiro and and otani can do that and you're not even otani because he was hurt at the beginning so so trying to especially a pitcher at a we I remember um, guys like uh, Ibachi and all these guys that came and 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 couldn't make it, and they came with better numbers from from Japan. So I, I, I'm a little bit curious, a little bit skeptical, and a little bit hopeful at the end because it, I, I have to root for this team, but <laughs> I. I, I I don't have a, a share of any of these guys in in well no I'm lying I have uh, uh, two shares of Waldichuk in, in draft and holds that that's it because well he he's like the question the biggest question mark in in this in this lineup this is a guy that had good numbers with the Yankees with uh, back then when he was a prospect with him he had a three eighty. No, 359 ERA in almost 15 in speech last year with the Yankees. And and uh, he can 
he had a nice K minus walk percentage of 23 almost. So there might be some potential, but then when he went up, he didn't make it that well. So it's more of a wait and see situation for me for this uh, rotation. I, I hope they they prove me wrong and they prove to be the you know the, the Atlanta Braves of the nineties or something like that. But mm. I'm, I'm not that hopeful. Waldachuk does interest me. Now he is the fifth. He's listed as the fifth starter when you look at fan graphs and go to roster resource. But he is the highest uh, pitcher in the starting rotation in terms of his draft price for this season. Trevor May is going ahead of him in terms of all the pitchers. But in terms of starters, Waldachuk is the highest. He's the only starter projected to have an ERA below four in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, you know, only projected for seven wins. But you know, we we don't we don't really know with wins. You're you're going to have a better chance if you draft players on better teams. But you know, if he ended up with ten wins, would it shock you? It might a little bit, but it, it's definitely possible. Wins are very hard to nail down. And when you yeah, look at what yeah. he did in the minors in terms of the strikeout numbers, you know, it didn't really translate so far in the, in the small sample in the major leagues, which was only seven games. You can't really hold that against him. But in the minor leagues, you're looking at a 30-plus percent strikeout rate and 35 40% strikeout rate, depending on what level you look at. There's mm -hmm. potential there. Uh, he's got to get the control under control. Um, but, you know, he did a little bit better in that regard. Walk rate was lower at the big league level than we had seen it at a lot of the minor league level. So there is a lot of potential there uh, for Waldachuk. I wouldn't mind taking him where he's going at pick 377. Yeah. Again, not in your shallow leagues, <clears throat> but once you get into your deeper leagues, your draft champions, your dynasty leagues, uh, he's somebody who is very interesting. Um, in terms of the rest of the rotation, um, Kaprelian, uh, Drew Rusinski, any interest in those guys drafting them? No, actually, I would I would prefer to go a little deeper, and and there's this prospect they have, Kyle Mueller, um, that it, that they got him from from Atlanta, and uh, I think I think he, they have something there. He, this is a guy that that had a twenty two percent K minus walk minus walks uh, rate in in AAA last year with Atlanta, and he managed to have a three four three forty one ERA. A good whip. He he's a guy that has proven to have a good um, command of these pitches, and I think sooner than later he will be with the with the big team because I'm pretty sure that this rotation will need the, the more as much help as possible. Um, who will he be replacing? I'm not sure yet, but someone will fall down. I'm 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 really I'm really sure, and they will have to to give Mueller. An opportunity, and I think this could be one of those situations when a pitcher appears out of nowhere and and, and does something uh, amazing for for a team that desperately needs it. I think if you, if I were, I'm not a gambling guy, but if I would put my money on someone to be that black swan, I think Kyle Miller has all the all, all the markings around him to be to be that guy. He has put in his time in the minor leagues. I mean, he has been. He's been around since 2016. That was a rookie ball. Uh, yeah. But in the Atlanta system, he took they took their time developing him. He had good numbers in the minors. You know, the ERAs and the pitching indicating stats were always fairly low in the three, five, sometimes a little bit lower uh, range there. The FIP was usually pretty low as well. I like I like what he can potentially do if he is given a chance. And the way that rotations work, I'm sure that he will start at least a bit for them this season. Uh, he's projected, based on ATC, to start 18 games, appear in 25 of them. So he could be somebody who is pretty interesting. I'm just trying to see where he is going in drafts. 
467. He's definitely somebody that I think you could uh, potentially see throughout the year, give you some decent value. Uh, JP Sears oh. is another guy in the minors who maybe he comes up, maybe he doesn't. Is there any interest for you there in a deeper league? I I go I would go for Mueller before before Sears. I think Sears will take a little bit of more time yet. Yeah, I I probably would agree there. Sears is going five fifty. Uh, you know these guys are not expensive. Even if you know maybe you don't have all the faith in the world in some of these guys we've mentioned, you don't have to pay up for them. And specifically with some guys we mentioned like Ruiz, uh, like Brown, more so in the lineup, but also with Kyle Muller. Uh, or Mueller, Muller, I'm not sure how he pronounced it, but there's interest there. Waldachuk as well. There there are some guys who could potentially be very good this season, um, maybe not with counting stats, but with your home runs, with your steals. Uh, there, there are some guys to definitely like. In terms of the closer situation and the bullpen in general, it actually looks not too bad. Uh, you know, if you're looking at some of these projected ERAs, most of the guys in the pen are projected for a sub-4 ERA. Trevor May is currently listed as the closer. Do you think that he will be the closer this season, primarily? Anyway, I, I think well, yeah, he, they paid. Uh, it's the biggest contract in in the in the whole roster, and uh, I'm sure they will they will just put him as the closer just because just because of that, you know. To but uh, I think that Danny Jimenez has a big chance of ending as the as the closer the minute that Trevor May. Uh, have any kind of struggle that he, that's usually what happens with with closers. Only thirty percent of the guys that that start as a closer and with the job during during the season. So um, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty sure Trevor May could be one of that seventy percent that lo- loses the job before before the end of the year. And uh, the guy behind him that I think could take the role would be Danny Jimenez. Yeah, I, I I agree there. Jimenez actually had some saving experience last year. He had 11 saves for them. Trevor May, you know, he's had some good seasons in the past, but never really as a full-time closer. We've seen him close. It was four games in 2021. It was three games in 2018. It was once last season. He doesn't have the experience where you can just say, okay, he is going to necessarily take the ninth inning uh, by storm and be that closer for the season. I think Jimenez makes a lot of sense to kind of not necessarily to pair with him, but you could based on the draft price, Trevor may just after yeah. pick 300 and then Danny Jimenez, not until almost pick 600. So let's say you're in a draft champions, you take may, and then you take Jimenez. you're, you're likely going to have the closer there between the two of them. Uh, it yeah. might be a bit of a headache back and forth between who's actually getting them on a week to week basis. Uh, but I think it would probably be between those two guys. Anybody else you think may compete for for saves this year? Or is it pretty much just those two for you? I think I think it's pretty much both of them, to be honest. And and um, some people speculate that May is going to also be traded before and and when they realize that they paid too much for him at some point to any contender. If if he's doing well, I mean, I uh, if, if he goes really well from the beginning, he might be traded. Uh, to a contender needing a high leverage guy uh, or something like that. So that's something that you have to be careful. Having players from Oakland it will always be risky in that regard. They they might, you know, trade anyone. Uh, they, they don't have <laughs> any kind of fixation with any, any player in their roster. So that's something that you guys have to be very aware when drafting uh, people from Oakland. Yeah, it depends on the player and the role. Like, let's say it is a Loriano. If he does get traded, I think that is probably likely going to be a boost to his value. Where if you're talking Trevor May and he does get traded to a team, like let's say he starts off the year very well and he has 20 saves at the All-Star break. 
he'll be traded and then he'll be the sixth or seventh inning guy, maybe the eighth inning guy on a different team. And he would lose almost all of his value outside of a saves and holds league when that would count them together. But yeah, very interesting uh, to look at this team. Is there anybody that we've missed or anything else you think we should touch on? I think we did. And I think we, we touch all the, all the main points that the, the Oakland has. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be a, like a continuous, um, you know, watching continuously how they move the, their their roster because they tend to recycle guys they have they have in the in the minors for for some time. So someone interesting might pop up now from now in a while. They have guys that are in the minors like Soderstrom, I. Like ah, there is uh, Dermis Garcia, uh, first baseman that has a lot of power, a lot of power. Uh, this is a guy that you might, if you are interested in in dynasty stuff and and, and prospects, uh, it's a guy to be. You should be watching because he has tremendous power, and he could be, you know, like the first baseman of the far future or. And they might give him a try at some point in the, during the season. That that's still to be seen. But we have to be continuously looking and, and checking the roster and seeing their movements. But for the moment, I think we've covered like the the guys that for at this time of the, of the season are on the main stage. Garcia does have a lot of power. He had 31 homers in Double A in 2021. In 2022, it was only 68 games in the minors, but 13 homers. And he did actually play uh, 39 games for the big league team last year. He had five home runs, uh, 20 RBIs, and 13 runs scored, which, I mean, considering the games played, that's very good. Uh, The strikeout rate was was incredibly high, which it typically is pretty high for him. Um, but if he gets called back up again this season, we could see him actually contribute a little bit. He's not even being drafted in these redraft leagues, I don't believe. Well, let me just take a look here, actually. He might be going right at the end. Uh, 738. So he's somebody like with your last pick. If you're in a draft champions, you don't know where to go. There's no one else who's really there on the board for you. Uh, take Thomas yeah. Garcia. You know, Take a chance on him. If he gets called up, then you could see a lot of home runs. Not necessarily from the onset of the season, but later on down the line, uh, yeah. he could be somebody that that does come into play. Carlos, I really appreciate you taking the time here. I, I I love talking with you. It's been fantastic. You do a great job on Triple Play Fantasy Beat. Your articles are always a must read. Is there anything else you want to let us know? Maybe we forgot off the top about what you have coming up or a different podcasts or any of your work you want to promote. No, I just wanted to thank you again for having me. I I, I love what you guys are doing. I, I your your pod is amazing and it's been just getting better and better every day. And and I have to to really, really commend you for for all the hard work you're doing. I, I know it's not easy at all, and and you keep pumping content in your podcast with you know so so much content that it that, that has to be recognized because it's not easy, folks. I know it from, from firsthand, and um, and no, I mean I, I'm always rambling on Twitter, so there's uh, the place where if anyone has anything to share or want to know i can help with anything i might know no i might not know the answer but there's a lot of of very wise people over there that i can ask if if i don't so i'm more than happy to help carlos you're one of the best we really appreciate you being here check them out at pitcher list at baseball prospectus and if you're not listening to the triple play fantasy baseball beat you really need to they're not just you know talking the three of them which would be entertaining enough in and of itself with you torres and mike carter 
but you're talking with great people. You had Vlad Sedler on last week. You're bringing on different beat writers from all around Major League Baseball. It's really informative. You guys are very deservingly nominated for Podcast of the Year. Congratulations there again. I hope you guys do pull through and win. But check out Carlos's work on Twitter at ca marcano. Uh, you know he he's doing fantastic stuff. If you want to see talk about Dick Allen or anything regarding fantasy baseball or baseball, definitely check out Carlos. You guys can find me at Joe Orico ninety nine. Check out our draft guide, which has been launched. It's at Ethos Fantasy BB on Twitter. You guys can find it at sportsethos.com. There are, I believe, four or five articles there right now, and we're going to keep adding to it over the next couple of weeks. But, guys, we'll see you again tomorrow. We'll be here again with another podcast. We'll be doing the Giants tomorrow, uh, so be on the lookout for that one. Until then, take care. We'll see you next time. <laughs>